Hello and welcome to the 10 out of 10 podcast, an AJ on the line series where we discover what it takes to be a champion. Just a quick reminder that you can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts. Go over there and give it a good review so that others can have a listen. It really does make a difference. Welcome to episode 7 and this one is a good one. I'm joined by one of my best friends, someone who pushes me to be at my best and someone who knows all about this week's theme, faith and courage. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tom Duggan. Tom has some great thoughts to share and spoke in detail on many important issues for athletes, sport and society as a whole. To begin, I'll let Tom introduce himself. Um, so let's just get straight in with it. Can you give the audience a bit of an idea of who you are, what sports you like to play, do or even watch? Well, okay. Um, my main sport is MMA and boxing. I absolutely have loved it since I was a kid. Started really early, probably three or four, got into the martial arts, sort of jiu-jitsu sort of style with my dad. That was sort of always, self-defence was always sort of my thing, especially around a younger age. And as I got older, I just got more into the competitive side. And I've done loads of sports in between that, but I've always stuck to martial arts as like a staple. Just because it's one of those, you start something young, and then as you progress, you just get better and better and better. And it's always a sport I've just been... Just been better than ev- anything else I've tried my hand at. And, well, fearlessness, bravery, courage, that's sort of the three main ones in martial arts. I mean, you're getting into a cage or getting into a ring and knocking the hell out of each other. And you're there, your intent is to win, yes, but to win, your intent is to injure or put out the other person, get them out of the fight. So it's sort of. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of other emotions and other obstacles to overcome to go into this sport and to become, especially at the high level, to go in and perform the way that many of them do perform. And with martial arts, it's, it's a lot about the philosophy as well as uh, the, the physical taking people apart, if you like. And I'm imagining that that has given you the edge. Uh, not just to compete well within your sports, be it jiu-jitsu or MMA or whatever you're doing, but also in other sports as well. Well, yeah, it does, it, as well as like real life time and like your real life experiences, as both in school, out of school, a university and jobs, it does sort of give you a backbone to go back on. It gives you sort of it, being that fearless and being showing the emotions of bravery and going through all that sort of like at a young age and fighting all those emotions and doing a very competitive and very well it, it does make you scared a very full-on sport sort of sets you up for stuff like that in life and for challenges in life and I think with the philosophy side of it like you said when you get better and as you get older and they teach you more techniques and then more about how to use it and when's the right time especially outside the competitive nature of the sport and the competitive side you learn a lot about yourself and a lot about how to compose yourself and how to restrain yourself especially in tough situations like I've seen especially me and you we've been up around Birmingham quite a bit and there has been there's been a few cases where you you meet the wrong sort of people we've got a few I know I know exactly which one you're thinking of, but you meet the wrong sort of people, and if you didn't have that sort of 
restrained, it could go a very different way in a lot of these situations. I'm thinking of when you and I left the the club early and we were walking around Grand Central trying to stay warm <laughs> and and then ended up in McDonald's with some unpleasant people and I I do remember thinking bloody hell I'm happy that I'm with Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we talk we talk about fight or flight. In that situation, I think I think I'm more adapted to the flight. I'm not I'm not sure um, what what you've been taught about what you do outside the arena, and I'm sure it's very much about remaining calm, um, because if you're not calm, you're not you're not going to succeed. Well, exactly. It's sort of don't don't get yourself in that situation in the first place. There is that, yes. But yeah, the one <laughs> I was thinking about was actually a much earlier one. It was. Um... Back when we were in year ten, year eleven, and we all went up to the ball ring, and then we had some unsavoury sort of lads, a group of lads. I think it was you they started on. You they sort of like walked up up to, for just like looking in their general direction, and that sort of got heated. And I'm glad, I'm glad we were with we were who we were with, but I'm glad we also had a few of us who kept our heads, because that that could have gone wrong very quickly actually how old were we we were like 15 and and you've got to remember that we're we're still growing then um but i'd imagine at that point you'd had a lot of training and and going through puberty you're you're going to have different emotions flying around so having that self-control is essential right there well i'm not sure if you ever noticed but i found that especially in the end years of primary school and then when we started Waisley um, and started the lower years, because I was so tall compared to everyone else, so big in a sense compared to everyone else, and people from primary school knew about my martial arts background, I was sort of like a target everyone wanted to prove their worth. I was actually going to mention that because I, you were kind of the, the, the guy that everyone respected, but at the same time tried to... to use that respect that everyone had to show that they they are the big I am but I also noticed how calm you remained because it could you you would have known the techniques to make sure that they didn't do it again but having having that level head is so important and that comes with uh, involving yourself with sports where you can test your courage and I suppose that that calm nature also comes from faith in yourself and and what you've been taught as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's 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 away from the sporting arena, but it's still vitally important when it comes to to growing into hopefully eventually a champion. I can't remember the name of the guy actually that you you've reminded me of, but there's um a recent story in the news in the Sun or whatever it was um about one of the UFC fighters. I believe he's British. And he got into a fight while abroad recently, and he's just been ditched by the UFC, and he's potentially facing years in jail because he's ended up breaking a man's jaw and knocking a man out in a fight outside a bar or outside a restaurant. And it's like you've got to you've got to know what you're doing, but also know how to handle the situations in a sense. Otherwise, if you go if you go absolutely off the wall and you're hitting everyone you could end up you could end up killing someone didn't conor mcgregor have something like that a few years back 
I think he has had a few situations similar to that outside, like with people in the pub. I believe the one you might be on was where he was in a, an Irish pub and someone said something to him and he decided to punch him or throw a glass at him, whatever it was. And I think that, that gets to a quote that I saw. I think Rafael Nadal said it, that the, the real champions, they don't just lift trophies, they, they lift communities. And it's really important for, for champions to realise that they are setting an example. So whilst you, you, you may act in a certain way in the ring, you, you do it in a, a controlled way at the same time. You need to ensure that the education is there to, to show the young the younger guys or, or girls like yourself when you were growing up that there is a place to act in a certain way and a place to act in a, in a more refined manner. Exactly. You've got to know which situation requires what level of response. You can't go... You can't have some... Def- drunk idiot push you and you decide to break his arm and throw him to the ground but then flip side you can't have someone coming at you with a knife and you're just pushing them over and sort of leaving it at that it's just you gotta know which situation requires you to go all out and which one requires you to just walk away and we'll we'll speak about um a sporting icon that that did just that um lifted communities and, and brought attention in the right way and that that requires faith and courage in its own sense um i'm just also going to mention the fact that that you do others other sports to that i know golf maybe that 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 requires faith more than courage in your own ability <laughs> faith in my own ability golf requires me to have faith to get me to the course the 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 flavor of the month it would appear at the moment with tom and i is going out mountain biking and I don't know about you, but that that's taught me a lot about the the instinctive side of, of humans. That it's it's so rewarding to come close to to danger without actually going over the edge, and and it's it's fun kind of playing with uh, the boundaries, if you like. And you you need courage for you sure do, to to go out and do that. And that that's that's within many sports. So it could be in Formula One, uh, rallying or or within mountain biking but that that kind of skill of being right on the edge it's so much yeah, fun. yeah i believe you've hit it on the spot though it's that instinctive sport it's one of the best sports i've had in terms of you, you get adrenaline when you're going into a competition or going up to the ring and you're about to walk out you get that surge of adrenaline but then you're in the moment and you sort of like push through it whereas biking you're on that edge of adrenaline all the time you, you, you'll get little moments where you've you've raced head and head and then you sort of think it's all off and then you, i can see you ahead and i'll catch up and it's head and head again and you'll get that surge again or you'll be racing down the edge and you'll have a little slide and that'll get you all pumped again it's the little things it's very it's a very reactive sport it's a very you do this you feel that you do this you get absolutely it's a absolute buzz i'm loving it at the moment it's one of the sports i regret not getting into or not finding when i was younger because that would be brilliant i think it's also quite gladiatorial uh so yeah tom and i race whether that that's an official part of mountain biking is it's just good fun to race around uh different tracks around the woods and hills well, me and you, we've got a very competitive nature, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's we sort of bounce off each other, especially because biking, I find, while you might have the edge on me fitness-wise at the moment, I think 
generally we're quite level playing field so it definitely adds that sense of competitiveness and the sense that I could win if I go all out against you and you could win if you go all out against me what I feel when when it's uh, a competition between you and I in in most sports whether we're playing table tennis or doing mountain biking or whatever I feel like yes I, I'm probably I'm not superior but I do have a better cardiovascular endurance I would like to think classic vo2 max higher vo2 max yes uh, but I think that your background um, going back to it in martial arts in remaining calm in, in different situations I think that that is certainly something that gives you an inherent advantage that I wish I could kind of harness in some way and it, it may be that I take up martial arts martial arts at some point in the future to kind of have that 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 mental strength side added to whatever sport I'm doing I'm no professional athlete by the way I, I just love competing enjoy sport it's just a hobby isn't it yeah for me it's brilliant and I love all sort of sports like you said we get into any sport and we go ahead and we'll do it for hours and hours even if it's a sport we're not amazing at we'll just do it for hours but I do agree. I believe you've got the the physical edge over me at the moment in terms of endurance and cardiovascular fitness. But it is that sort of background of martial arts and having, well, you could say it's fearlessness or you could say it's idiocy. It's, it's one <laughs> or the other, but I tend to not touch the brakes going downhill, which gives me a slight advantage for when, so I can catch up with you going up the massive hills where you've got your physical like advantage over me but it definitely it, it adds so many different scenarios and each although we do the same race quite a lot the same sort of track each race is totally different you get different scenarios every single time yeah it's great fun it's i think it was the minis and the lanciers back in the day that would have have the different advantages at different parts of the track in british touring cars and it's a little bit like that um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just great. Well, I, re I recommend it to anyone. I recommend it to anyone who's getting into sort of an adrenaline sort of sport. Try out, especially if you've got somewhere like the Lickies on your back door, some sort of forest or mountainous area. I fully recommend it. It's brilliant. Yeah, just remember also, if you are doing it, that when it rains, there's less grip going to be about, <laughs> as I discovered the other day. I'm fascinated with the way in which martial arts gives Tom a strong core to tackle any challenge. We recorded this back at the end of the summer when Tom and I had indeed got into the habit of racing around the hills on our mountain bikes. Yes, it may sound a bit childish, but it's bloody good fun. Next, we discuss Senna's lap in 88 that I wrote about in the blog and the mentality that you require in order to take on an extreme or dangerous sport. People still look back and watch the, the Monaco 88 onboard lap now and think, wow, <laughs> he's going around a corner one-handed because they changed gear <laughs> manually back then, <laughs> round to back. And when, when Senna came back from doing that qualifying lap, bear in mind that he'd been going around the track and going quicker and quicker and quicker. And he came back in and it was, it was before the end of the qualifying session and it was pretty clear he was going to win, but he got out of the car and said that he was scared <laughs> because he'd, he'd scared himself. That's to what extent a, a zone he was in. He said he, it was 
like he was in another state like he he was watching himself drive and he wasn't thinking about the gears and, and the corners it, it was just happening yeah sort of like that third person sort of view I've heard that quite a lot actually especially in the fighting as well I've heard loads of fighters say they've got into a ring got out of it got the win and they've not they've not registered it it's like that wasn't me fighting I can't, I can't remember I can't remember the game plan I can't remember what round it was I can't remember what I was doing so yeah it, it's almost like a trance and it's it's a beautiful place to be in that in that moment and it comes as a lot of uh, it comes as a result of a lot of training and experience and to to reach that 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 kind of perfection and it's something that in all sports humans love to strive for perfection and it's even if you achieve it once or twice in a lifetime it, it's something that you remember and you think wow that was cool it's it's like the other day when we we <laughs> doing a race and I turned a corner and I, I said to you after the race I couldn't have done that corner any better and it's it's something like that that makes you think yeah that was cool yeah, you were speaking to me about that the other day how you managed to do that little sharp turn and really get it perfect in the race but then as soon as you come to do it when I wasn't there practicing it it took you god knows how many attempts to get it yeah 10 attempts at the same level and i still don't think it was at the same level it was just decent um but in getting to that state you you need to remember when you're going into the ring like you you need to have that understanding that you could be endangering yourself and your opponents and it's something that that you need to be conscious of but also you need to think of your family's perspective too when you walk into that ring. I think that's why a lot of fighters, especially professional fighters at the top level, why you have to do so much sparring as opposed to like physical training. You've got to do the sparring, you've got to have the matches, you've got to have the experience. Like You've got some of the boxers that go into boxing these days, such as, um, well, you had Mayweather when he was early days, but then for me, Vasily Lomachenko, one of the best lightweight fighters out there at the moment, he had 390-odd fights. I think it was 395 fights before he went pro. And you've got to have that sort of experience drilled in so you don't just, when you're in the moment, lose your way and you don't just go overboard or not do anything. Yeah, that's definitely important, especially with high-danger sports like you do because you you can have all the you can have all the training in the world but you're you're not going to be able to perform it when the adrenaline's high if you've not been to that that situation before right yeah true true i think it does affect your performance massively with how much experience you've had and how many times you've been in that sort of situation <clears throat> but you've also in terms of fearlessness and courage you've got to have the courage to do it first time and you say like martial arts and boxing are dangerous sports, which they are respectively, and so is F one, especially back in the day, it was very dangerous. But then you've got other like adrenaline junkie sports like skydiving, cliff diving, all that sort of stuff. And then the the like the mentality you've got to have to do that for like the first time. I know you wouldn't just go up to a ninety foot cliff for the first time; you'd start off lower. But the mentality you've got to have because you can't really train for stuff like that 
a skydive you can you can do like a certain amount but you can't really train for when you're up there jumping out the plane you can't do it half-hearted either is is like a half-hearted rugby tackle that's going to be more dangerous than being a hundred percent committed yeah exactly you could injure yourself or injure someone else when i did a skydive after my 18th birthday i can't remember i don't know if you remember yeah i remember you doing it i was just about to ask you actually the thing is with that I remember I was going up in the plane and I wasn't nervous and I wasn't scared and I, I was kind of concerned that I wasn't scared. I think I was just living off the adrenaline of it all and that's something that you, you need to do. Um, well, I know, I know I'd be absolutely bricking it going up in that plane. I, I, was, I was reading, uh, no, I was watching a video the, the other day of a, a lecturer on uh, sports and politics and he was talking about um, violence in sport and because sport does have a lot of ties to violence be it the fans or, or, the, or the competitors due to the historical um, roots of sport but what he was that the title of his kind of lecture was enjoy the adrenaline and and that's what I did the the only moment when I did um, get scared was when I, I smiled when I was going down and that meant that I opened my mouth and all the air shot into my fa- my mouth and I, I just couldn't <laughs> breathe. And that's where I thought, oh, oh my God, <laughs> maybe maybe I shouldn't have been so, so calm about it all. But, yeah. yeah, you'd never think skydiving in a open air would be so claustrophobic. No, I, I, I was posing for the camera on the way down. Check out my Instagram. <laughs> you, you got more guts than me with heights and stuff. I, I'm absolutely terrified of heights. But that that's part of it too, though, isn't it? Knowing where your limits are, because it's... Well, I'm pushing your limits, yeah. We spoke about being brave or stupid. It's almost as brave, if not more, uh, to say, do you know what, I'm not going to continue the fight, the race, whatever, within the arena and step out of that arena, as it is to step into the arena and, and, and maybe do something that, that will endanger you um i rem- i'd say that takes more bravery and more courage to step out of a situation like that well at a high level i mean these are individual fighters but even in that sort of sport where you're individuals competing against each other you've got to be incredibly brave to step out of a situation where you've got your team that you often pay their salary, you often pay for their training, for them to help you. You're paying for all your own training up to a fight. You're paying for all the sports, all the coaching, all the access to that fight. And then you, the money that you do get is going towards you and then potentially your family. And it's your living. So at the top level, to step out of something like that is, it, it's much more brave than getting in. Because you get in, it's something that you've done a lot of times and while you might not be in the right mindset, it's something that you're doing and it comes with the sport. But to step out of it takes a lot of courage. And I think especially with your sort of sport that you're into, like the F1 and then football and everything, you've got a whole team relying on you. And if you're the star player like Lewis Hamilton of your team and you stepped out for that race or that fight or that match, you just, it takes a lot of bravery. Well, on on the topic of Formula One, I can think of. Uh, have you watched Rush? By the way, I have watched Rush. Nicky Lauda yeah, and Nikki James Hunt. Yeah, Nicky Lauda in that last race in Japan, 
he, he'd already said, and so had Hunt, that the conditions were so bad that they shouldn't race in it. Nicky, yeah, he stepped out there, didn't he? Yeah, Nicky Lauda, having already nearly died and then come back <laughs> within a matter of weeks after that horrific crash in the Nürburgring, he parked up after the first lap at the Japanese Grand Prix just because he said, do you know what, it's not worth it. I know the cha- the championship's on the line this race, but my life is, is more important. And like you say, with the, the commercial pressure that athletes have nowadays, it's even more brave to do that sometimes. So I think that's, that's certainly something to consider that it's important to know your, your limits. And whilst bravery, courage, faith... These are essential traits to have to be a champion. Champions also have that that bigger picture, that 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 bird's eye view, if you like. And if the situation isn't right for you, then you can succeed in a in, in a different competition another day, because you'd rather not regret doing something. You'd rather something. fight on than yeah. You'd rather yeah. carry on and live to fight another day, as they say, than be injured or be dead and put out of the whole career, your whole life. Well, that that's it. It's, it's, a lot of the times it isn't worth it. It's that you'd rather regret doing something than not doing something because at least you tried. That was an avenue that you tried. Um, so, yeah. I think that's what fear does to you. It puts you in a space where you do sort of accelerates the learning process, accelerates the emotional side of things. It really puts you in that moment and tests everything you've been put against. That is something to definitely bear in mind. Sometimes heroes are the ones to say no, rather than foolishly accepting something. We then spoke about one of the greatest sports people of all time. Quick, guess who it is? Okay, now let's wait and see if you're right. What we'll do now is we'll talk about some of the athletes that you think demonstrate faith and courage. Let's move on to the, the the first one. Or I would argue one of the greatest athletes of all time. I'm imagining that you would agree. Why don't you introduce him and explain what made him the courageous champion with faith that, that he was? Well, both faith and bravery and, and courage, all three of them. Muhammad Ali, absolute brilliant man amazes people even to these days both with what he did for the african-american community and what he did inside the ring for the sport and then what he did outside the ring for just the general community and the general boxing community that surrounds the sport and that's made it what it is today really and has inspired he's inspired tons of fighters of today tyson being one of the most famous i mean it's ridiculous how much of an impact he's had on the aspects and many of them in the world are not tied to boxing like he's had an impact in sports and situations that have nothing to do with boxing and I personally believe he's he is like the number one spot for one the best athlete out there in terms of well in terms of everything not just bravery but bravery and faith especially there were many things about Muhammad Ali that made him the champion he was but the, and brave but I think the thing that not a lot of people have the courage to do is be themselves and and Muhammad Ali was 
absolutely wholeheartedly and unapologetically himself, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he was brilliant. He was so outspoken, so forthright with everyone, so in your face. But that was his true personality, and that was just how he represented himself and how he thought of himself, and he was just showing everyone out there, this is me, and I'm not going to conform to your norms, I'm not going to conform to your standards, I'm not going to play by the script and just roll over and do whatever you want me to do. Like, the the first one, (coughs) sorry, first one inside the ring was um, his first world championship belt. He was like 22, I believe, very young, and we remember him as like this big, heavyweight, bulky fighter, but back then he wasn't so big. He was agile, he he was sort of the underdog. Well, he was a massive underdog. He was fighting Sonny Liston, I think, the American, and he was a big guy. He was like the Hulk back then. He was a veteran world champion, a proper massive guy, knockout hook that was just devastating opponents. And he was um, a 7-1 underdog in the fight. And he's 22. And He was a chump. Yeah, he was a chump. And people were seeing him. And many of the papers referred to him as this like little boy facing the veteran boxer, the man of a boxer. And he ended up winning through using his own ability and his own strengths of like being so agile and being so unorthodox in the way he fought. And he ended up winning it, and it was the biggest upset of that time in heavyweight boxing. And he completely overturned everyone's predictions, and that set him on the path for all the other world championship bouts and all the other wins. When when the odds are stacked against you like that, that, that is a time where you need to kind of go into your own space and jump into the unknown, but have faith in yourself at the same time, because... A lot of people would have been writing him off before he'd even stepped into the ring. And, and I don't care what athlete or which athlete you are, you're still going to hear what the media have to say, even back in Muhammad Ali's day. And to well, It's funny you say that, because both before the fight they were writing him off. And then after the fight they were writing him off, they were saying, oh, it's just fluke, you've just danced your way around him, you've not actually beat him, you're still just this kid who's got lucky in the world stage. And it was only till a year or two later when he fought Liston again and ended up knocking him out in the first round that people started taking him seriously and started, well, stopped doubting him and stopped second-guessing him. The media can play a huge influence in a career for any athlete. And I love those those athletes that, that draw attention because... Even if the media were being negative to him, it was clear from that moment where he stepped in and he he, he was David and beat Goliath. He was doing something different. He was repaving the way that things were. And that is the reason that I love sport. I, I watch sport to see the big moments with the big athletes that are looking to change the game and do it their way. That's That's why I watch Lionel Messi or Lewis Hamilton or... Federer, Nadal, uh, Usain Bolt, for example. It's it's those people, those personalities that, that have the courage to say, this is the norm, and this is my way, and this is how I'm going to win, and, and set out their, their shot. But it's, it's one thing knowing that they're there. It's another thing 
stopping them and yeah that that's that was what was so cool about Muhammad Ali but I think like you were saying as you were saying like you tend to find with all the top top athletes that do redefine the standards they all have this quality of courage they all have this certain traits to their personality which makes them the best of the best many of them in sport are very addictive and very in the moment and in the zone and just focused on being the best of the best i think it's that and mixed with the emotions like bravery that really helps them redefine standards and destroy the norms and then that in turn shapes the sport and shapes the community and then shapes society and then going back to your previous point with the media it's so much more in your face and so much more prominent these days because of social media like back then you had the news and if someone picked up the paper they'd listen to opinions on you but you think nowadays if someone thinks you're the underdog you've got instagram facebook twitter you've got your opponent posting you've got all them fans posting and tweeting at you and tweeting at your friends and tweeting at your coaches you've got people turning up people posting like all articles online it's it's massive now with the web and social media and it's it's so hard to get away from that it's it's no wonder that a lot of top athletes that it's very hard to get in contact with them because they they have to have their own space well you find a lot of the top athletes have their own team who look after their social media they don't touch it well you've got to have thick skin whether you are on social media or not if you are actually going to be in control of your social media then fair play it's a baptism of fire almost um <laughs> i like that yeah, it is especially for the the young athletes today um we speak about how muhammad ali stood up for social justice um much in the same way that Tommy Smith did, uh, who was it, John Carlos, you, you know, the US athletes at the Olympics. Yeah. And you, you've also got, as well, Colin Kaepernick, um, LeBron James, talking about the fact that the NBA, and talking about the fact that the NBA is basically run by old white men. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, recently, well, not recently, back in 2012, when they had the London Olympics, you had the British boxer, the female boxer, Nicola Adams, and she ended up winning gold. And when she won gold, she then used that opportunity, like the media spotlight, to highlight the sexism and homophobia that was riddled in like the professional Olympic side of boxing. And it was so one-sided and so full of it and so misogynistic in places that it was completely turning off other athletes and completely killing other other athletes opportunities to get to the top and get their own moment and i believe that's i believe in that way sense um the media has really helped really helped push a narrative definitely and social media as well yeah social media has helped push narrative and helped athletes in, especially in terms of injustice fight the norm and overcome all those barriers well in as as most things are in many ways it's definitely helped it but it's also hindered it in terms of opening themselves up, up to criticism and that's that's where you need to be brave to use your platform in the right way 
um, especially people like Nicola Adams as a, a black woman. It's so hard to speak out on that sort of stuff, and it, it shouldn't be. But unfortunately, that's that's soci the society that we're in. But that doesn't mean that it's right, and we do need to make change. And that's where people do need to be brave and look within themselves and have a think about how they can uh, improve to make society a more more equal place because it's just not at the moment. I mean, and we've gone a long way since Ali's time and it's still not anywhere near what it should be, especially for this day and age. But I mean, looking back at when Ali had his moment and was pushing his injustices, he was, I think the main one was when he was refusing to go to Vietnam in America. And that was because loads of papers well not loads of papers loads of a few companies were picking up on the fact that america had started this war with vietnam and they were sending mostly black people over there and these are black people who ali himself when he was world champion was in his hometown and he couldn't go into certain coffee shops he couldn't go into certain restaurants just because he was black and he stood up and said look i'm not going to vietnam you might have recruited me you might have drafted me I'm not going because it's racially motivated. I've got nothing against the Vietnamese. You've actually done more to hinder my life, more to hinder my success, more to hinder my rights than anyone outside of America has. I'm not doing what you want me to do. And I think that was a real turning point as well because that showed everyone else, especially when you had other boxers like Ernie Terrell, who was renowned for going up against Muhammad Ali and calling him Cassius Clay which Ali referred to as his slave name, because it was his born name. And he was, like, provoking him and calling him Cassius and calling him Clay. Even in the fight, he was trying to call him Clay. And Ali sort of standing up against the government, standing up against the draft into Vietnam, showed a lot of the black community that there are people out there in positions of power that aren't willing to roll over and aren't willing to go along with the flow to save their own career and to save their own image. There are people that will stand up for the injustices and really put themselves out there as the forefront pushing the boundaries. These are the people that we need to support. I I hear a lot about people saying, oh, but you shouldn't have politics in sport. I, I've got two responses to that. First of all, human rights, I don't think, is the same as politics. No. It's like Russia hosting the World Cup. But human rights, that that is just treating people equally. Treating people with human rights. Yeah, it's a necessity of all humans. It shouldn't be. I know the political aspect does have a lot to say about it. And I know a lot of the ways you tackle it is through political like, avenues. But it shouldn't have any political motivations it should be purely everyone as a basis as a basic need for everyone in the world it should be treated at this sort of level at the same sort of basic level whether you're rich poor black white you, you should just you shouldn't be treated as property or as someone that's not there or some piece of furniture or some object that's just there you should be treated as a human exactly um and that that's Another example of Muhammad Ali's bravery, but also 
current athletes now uh, who are making that stand and it's it's essential for moving forward and and being a champion i go back to the quote from nadal about lifting communities not just trophies and i think that's quite poignant there in and out the ring he was just showing especially in the ring he was showing a lot of faith faith in his skills faith in his trainers faith in the people who backed him but outside the ring the bravery really shows because he's standing up to people whose opinions don't really matter to him but as their opinions at the end of the day ultimately shape his public image and shape how people perceive him and then in turn shape how he's treated and you think you're and this is back in the day before social media but he was massive everyone you, you saw him you knew who he was whether you followed boxing or not everyone knew him so if there was an uproar like when he refused to go to Vietnam and they were like we're going to sentence you to jail and there's the whole appeal process during that time the way he was treated by white people and some of his own community was shunning him and it because it was bringing bad press towards them and it was it yeah it takes a lot of guts to do that and I really respect someone like that. And I think that's why so many people do see him as this hero for human rights and for black injustice. Definitely. And you think how he was treated in the moment and how he w- he is thought of now as a hero. It's interesting that those athletes that are fighting for uh, justice as we speak today and being criticised by many people and even politicians in some parts of the world hopefully we will have moved forward in years to come and these people that are are pushing for change they'll they'll be thought of it in the same way as Muhammad Ali I think it will always be about but like you said it will through people pushing and fighting against it hopefully it will be squashed out but there'll always be some form of racism sexism homophobia it's just sort of the human nature at the moment for conflict so that's why we're making a statement black lives do matter by the way if you wanted i think the quote that i love and i might have made this quote up by the way but the (laughs) quote i I love it either way i i was discerning the other day between courage and faith and bravery and faith is sort of that predefined sort of notion of trusting and believing in yourself and believing in the people about you and believing in your sort of I want to say beliefs your morals your sort of goals yeah your sort of morals that's the one but then courage can sort of be similar to fearlessness and then bravery I'd say is completely different to courage and fearlessness bravery I would say as I quote is dealing with the choices and repercussions of fearlessness. So Muhammad Ali had the courage to go out there and speak out against all this injustice. And the bravery came from the fact that he then had to deal with the government, the public, the boxing association, his threat, some of his friends, some of his family, his opponents, all these sort of people then going after him for speaking out. And being so outspoken. A lot of people did. He was on news shows and he was on talk shows and he was had 
yeah, a lot of times he had the audience against him and he had members of the audience coming out saying, why are you speaking like this? Why are you saying this about white people? When it was a lot of what he was saying was true from most of the people out there in America. But he also had some of the hosts turn against him and really aggressively ask him these questions. So I think it was very brave of him to deal with all that consequence and deal with his choice to speak out and act as a figure for the movement. I think that can be linked, potentially. You, you can probably tell me better. Maybe because of the, the business that he was in within boxing and his ability to remain calm in that kind of situation where you've got people coming at you is very similar to being in a ring, going to a talk show and... and speaking out on on certain matters like that that are not necessarily popular opinions well yeah i think what people well a lot of people who follow boxing do know but what a lot of other people might not know is back then it was a very dangerous sport i think it was like the eighth most dangerous sport in the world back when he was a heavyweight and although it was more dangerous for the lightweight guys you think you're going sometimes 15 rounds, three-minute rounds, this is 75 minutes of fighting, and you're taking punches to the head constantly from big 200, 250-pound guys who are just going at it. And the, and the gloves were light as well, weren't they? Well, exactly, the gloves. Some of the gloves were padded, and I think the padded gloves actually made it worse because it was going on that long that you were just taking, you weren't getting knocked out, you were just taking concussion after concussion after concussion. And while Ali was, like, hardly ever put to the ground or anything, he took hits to the head all the time throughout his career, and eventually he suffered, he got Parkinson's, and I think, going back to bravery, he was very brave with going so public with it and showing the world what it's doing. So even though he was suffering himself and suffering the consequences of being in his sport and doing what he did, he was still showing them all, like, he was still acting as a pioneer and still saying, well, look, this is what's happened to me. We need to make some changes in the sport to protect the, to protect the future generations and protect the new fighters from getting injuries like this. And that's something that, once again, people would have pushed back on, I'm sure. Well, yeah, a lot of people, even to this day, push back on... I know it can go too far with health and safety. Like At the end of the day, it is a fighting sport. You are going in there to fight someone and knock someone out. But I think you do get, like you said, a lot of people push back and it's like, oh, you're turning it into too much of a girl sport, as they were saying back in the day, or you're turning it into too much of a light sport. You You just hitting each other it's not proper boxing anymore no one's getting knocked out i think the main thing nowadays um for like both women and men's boxing is the age it's not so much the regulations of it because those have been reformed quite well it's the age you start there's a lot of debate we're getting people starting at five four or five years old getting into a boxing ring and fighting someone four or five years old with the intent to knock them out and it's like, do you really want to do that at that age? You might become brilliant, but then you could be... You could have brain damage by the time you're 25, 30. You, you're a third the way through your life, and it's you're done for. At that age, it would be the parents' decision. I don't think that that is a responsible way. 
it's certainly not not faith or courage on the child's part. It's a lot of faith from the 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 adult. Well, it's I suppose it's faith in your parents. You've got to have faith in your parents knowing what they're doing. And I suppose it is hard to get out of. And I'm, again, I, I, I'm not even too sure on the on what I would choose out of the two because at the end of the day, if you'd said to me, we'll go and train you professionally at the age of four, the age I am now, I would have been like, yeah, brilliant, take me back and train me when I was four. I'd, I'd be brilliant now. I'd be much better than I am. When did you start? And it'd get me to a high level. I, I started when I was four or five, but I was sort of doing it for more self-defence because my dad did it lightly and we were doing it for self-defence and I started more towards judo and jiu-jitsu, so not proper fight fighting like you get in the streets or you get in these competitions it was it was more of diffusing a situation yeah it was more just to protect myself if i'm ever out on a night out that sort of thing but i think getting into the sport as i did if you could have took me back and got me competitive at the age of four or five and got me into the ring at the age of four or five i would now i would go back and do it i would say yeah but then when you're talking of other people, I'd be like, well, do you really want to? Because you, you could end up damaging your kid. But looking back on my own personal experience, so then I'm fighting that because I'm like, well, I would want to. I would want my dad or my mum to put me in that situation because by the time I'm 21, as I am now, I'd be much better and I'd be at a much higher level of competing. competing. And I think that's the issue at the moment. As a... Muhammad Ali has highlighted those decisions, even though the safety is there, they they can be long-term effects that you're you're choosing to open yourself up to. I think Muhammad Ali reminds me a lot of the way that uh, Jackie Stewart campaigned for safety in Formula One, um, and he he faced criticism then, but. That yeah, I was going to I was going to mention Jackie Stewart. He was brilliant at changing all the sort of well with the car and with the actual track itself and the wheels and then in the engineering that's it and um senna even he was he was trying to lead the way safety wise and unfortunately the safety wasn't enough for him but i think that's an important thing that people that complain about boxing or formula one not being like the old days or even football or whatever sport sports evolve that's what they've always done and it's what they always will do the reality is if if sports hadn't have evolved formula one would still be chariot racing and boxing would look like gladiators uh, and well exactly and and yes you've still got things like bullfighting now for traditional purposes whether that's right or not, I don't know. But you've got to accept that sports are going to be changing and, and so is the world. And sport's so important uh, culturally for, for any human. Um, it's that outlet of, like we talked about, um, emotion and adrenaline. Well, the point is it is going to be changing. Um, and it is really interesting, that debate on whether you do push your kid to do it. And I, I notice how you talk about the fact that you wish you would have done that's your competitive side talking right yeah it's my competitive side and like you touched on you have got the two sides of it you've got the competitive 
nature of the athletes. So if you're four and your mum and dad decide not to do it and wait till you're nine or ten, you can't go back. If the kid gets into it at ten and really wants to become pro, you can't go back and give him those six years again. You've got to then deal with the fact that he's ten. You might have let other people, especially if you want to get to the top, top level, you might have let other people get the edge on him. But then culturally, culturally, you've got the side of it's tradition, a lot of families, especially in the boxing community, a lot of families have their local gym that their dad and their granddad have been to. And it's it's really embedded into society in all over the world. So I think it is a very hard decision and very tough to know where to take it at the moment. That's it, and, and that's within boxing or even just a, a football team that you support. It's it's a family, it's that sense of belonging, isn't it? Muhammad Ali was an icon and pushed for better in and out of sport, a pioneer of athlete activism and a fine selection by Tom. It was also interesting Tom's perspective on training youngsters in sport, you can really see both sides, but surely four years old is too young to box. Tom then spoke about how he is inspired by greats to innovate and become better as an athlete. With with all these things, we, we have spoken about your personal your personal experience. But when we look at the likes of Senna or Muhammad Ali, what sort of things do you look at them and put into your own sporting life or life in general it's funny you say that one of the main ones for me at the moment is um, the guy I was talking about earlier Lomachenko who's the Ukrainian boxer and he's taken the world by storm with how he fights and how he moves and a lot of his training pushes him to the edge and a lot of it's like unconventional like he'll have through some of his cardio training, he'll hold his breath underwater for five minutes. And like, boxers didn't used to do that. It used to be the ropes and all the footwork techniques and the running. That used to be the traditional ropes and running. And now he's going swimming, he's playing football, he's doing kayaking, he's holding his breath underwater, he's going diving, he's hitting this tent. I, I think you've seen it because that was about a few years ago and hitting the tennis ball off the base off the cap on your head attached to a string using that for the hand-eye coordination he's pioneered a lot of these sort of weird and wacky training regimes and training and I've incorporated quite a bit of that into mine and what I train like especially for MMA and the UFC sort of side of stuff I love the sort of notion that you can go into a different sport to help you in this sport, like using football or, well, using football to sort of like do the footwork for boxing and help you develop speed with footwork. But then like uh, um, bike riding, a lot of that gives me a lot more endurance and a lot more control with emotions and adrenaline. And that can potentially roll over into my martial arts so say I'm in a tough situation on the ground or something I've felt this sort of adrenaline felt this sort of oh no I'm going to go off the edge of this cliff or the edge of this side with the bike and I'm in that moment I'm like oh no he's going to hit me in the face you sort of get it gets you used to those emotions and I think that's what I've incorporated a lot I tend to split into a lot of different sports I know that's quite um 
quite controversial. I don't think it is at all. I think that it's really interesting the the way that you've obviously approached competing in whatever sport you're in. Is it seems to me like it's about innovation. It's about thinking different to the rest of the competitors in the sport. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I see it. And and as a result, you will have that edge. Yeah, and I believe it does give you a bit of an edge. The only reason I say it's controversial is because the traditional, as you'd say, way of looking at it is you stick to one sport, and as long as you don't deviate too much from that sport and you stick to that sport, so say you're doing boxing, you might deviate a bit to a bit of kickboxing or a bit of martial arts just to get a sort of rounded approach. But as long as you stick to that sort of fighting and that boxing you'll become really good at it because you're honing your skills on a specific set of techniques. Whereas if you then go start doing a bit of baseball, a bit of rugby, a bit of football, a bit of bike riding, it might put you off and it might deviate you from being focused on that sport. But I think it does the opposite in a lot of senses. Like Vasily Lomachenko, before he started boxing, he did four or five years of Ukrainian dancing. And that's what developed his absolute incredible footwork that he's got today. People can't touch him because he's so good and so light and fast in the ring. On on that idea of being or doing different sports, I think it, it reminds me of what I was talking to Harrison about in the first podcast of the series on growth mindset and we were talking about the notion that you don't necessarily get better, but you become more complete. Yeah, so you sort of round off your skills rather than expand them. Well, e- exactly. And if you if you are constantly just boxing every single day, you are going to become a very good boxer. There's no doubt about that. But what you will see with a lot of champions is that they are great in a lot of different sports. And that's a because they've got the competitive nature that and and the athletic ability to try out new sports and be quite good at them. That there's that natural kind of reason. But the the other side of it is that they have explored those different sports to become even better in the arena that they want to become a champion in. You've got Michael Jordan, and he went off and did baseball for a few years between dominating basketball yeah he, he used that to hone in his um strength lewis hamilton is a black belt in karate i bet you didn't know that i did not know that that's that's very interesting but he he used that as a way of a dealing with bullies but b having his kind of controlled centered mindset and I believe you. I believe that's exactly what you use them for. You sort of hone in specific skill sets from different sports and bring them all together to make your sport and to make you at that sport that you want to do that bit better, which does give you the edge, especially at the highest, highest level when the minute detail, that extra two minutes of training, that extra like going out and doing the baseball for Michael Jordan, like giving him a bit more strength in his arms and a bit more of that technique and flow, it just gives you that little edge and it just shows at the highest level, it just outshine everyone. It kind of gives you, uh, even if it's not a huge physical advantage, it 
kind of gives you a mental advantage. So when I do go out and we, we, we'll go back to me racing Tom on our bike, <laughs> yeah. even, even though it doesn't necessarily help my running ability, uh, my running ability doesn't necessarily help cyc- my cycling ability. I know that the cardio is there and I'm confident within myself that little bit more that I, I can be the king of the hill. <laughs> the king so, of the so hill. To uh, what do they king call the it in the, the Tour of France? It's the king of the mountain. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah they, they give the jersey out for that. Is it the king of the mountain or the king of the hill? It might be king of the hill. I think it's king of the mountain, but it's more mountains in the Tour de France. But... Well, yeah, exactly. Then It's not just a little bump. Not like going over the... Well, I say that, Rose Hill. Rose Hill are classed as a mountain. <laughs> Feels like it. Is for me anyway. Definitely. Uh, but but it definitely gives you that, that psychological edge and that confidence that you are going to, to find a way of beating your opponent because... I'm I'm not saying that you don't know how to run. I just know that I, I can run better than you. So if, if I can run better than you, why can't I cycle better than you? Whereas I'm sure you're also thinking, well, I have the mentality to stay calm and stay brave in situations where people are trying to choke me out. or With reactivity as well. I know I can dodge a few punches and react to a fight. So I'm like, I know if I'm cycling against you and you do a quick turn or you do a little manoeuvre, I know I've got that react, like the reactive time to snap onto that and then see you doing that and then hopefully make my own counter move. And it's the little things like that that spill over to all the different sports. You have to dare to be different in order to be the greatest. We then dis- You have to dare to be different in order to be the greatest. We then touched upon the importance in having faith in those around you, even in God. I know neither of us are religious, but I'm imagining that having that faith in God as well, looking out for you, that that can be a powerful thing when it comes to stepping into the arena. A lot a lot of the successful people that I know in sport, they, they are in, indeed religious and thank God as well as their family and their team and it's it's interesting. Senna, Senna was religious. Well, yeah, hundreds of them are. But that, that can only take you so far, right? Oh, I, I do believe it does give them a sort of foundation to go along and a foundation to sort of bring everything back to. Like they've already initially got that faith, they've got that sort of mental strength and that helps them in situations. So. I suppose, yeah, it... it it allows them to dig that little bit deeper with with the knowledge that they've got someone incredibly powerful looking over their shoulder and and working for them and it yeah it, they obviously it's not going to save them from a huge knockout blow but in moments of pain and and low moments do you inevitably get in all competitions and all sports having that extra bit of pos- positivity that's always going to allow you to dig deeper and 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 get out of that that pla- not plateau get out of that trough and turn it back into a peak well yeah it, it does a lot for you in the moment especially on the big nights and the big events it does having that little voice does push you a lot and does help you overcome a lot of things that you might not be able to do the other two bits i'd like to touch on in terms of bravery and faith is 
the other people on the side. It's like for F one, you have all the marshals, and a lot of the and a lot of the marshals, especially in some of the situations and some of the conditions and races, they're putting their life on the line to help keep the racers and help keep the teams safe. And I think that takes a lot of courage to get out there and do that. A lot of the times for free, you're volunteering to help keep racers safe and to help keep the athletes safe. And then for my example for fighting, um, a bit controversial at the moment, especially for me personally, is the recent Wilder fight. You're meant to have a lot of faith in your team. Wilder's meant to have a lot of faith in his team's decisions. And I think for a professional fighter's team, like because basically he had his trainer, Mark Breland, um, who was a professional fighter back in his day himself, like a world champion, he was part of his team, and he was the one who threw in the towel in the Tyson Fury fight, he's like the second fight, to save his fighter from getting damaged, getting brain damaged, getting injured, and getting seriously hurt. Like He's got a family to look after, Wilder. So he's doing this, he's putting his life on the line, but I think it took a lot of courage for Mark to throw in the towel and to look after his fighter, no matter what the fighter's going to then think of him and no matter what other people are going to think of him. And at the end of the day, Wilder absolutely shredded him for it and fired him. Left him in tears outside the changing room. And I think that's that's a display in the opposite direction of how you should have faith in your team's decisions and how you should stick by them. Because they're your family at the end of the day. They're looking after you. This is your life on the line. And they're thinking about you. They're not thinking about themselves. So I think it took a lot of bravery for him to do that. And it took... And Wilder should have had a lot more faith in his team. That story... That that's painful to hear. Um, it won't have been an easy decision to make for his his teammate to, to do, just that, and throw in the towel. But at the same time, you you do like you say, you need to have faith in the people around you. And even boxing, even tennis, that is not a one person sport. Sports now, or especially now, they are a team event. Well, they're multi layered, aren't they? You've got layer, you've got layers, as you'd say, of the sport. You've got your team, like your personal close team for training, and your family. Then below that, you've got the overall team, the pe- the local gyms that you go to, the local sort of tennis grounds or F one sort of like race tracks. Then you've got the whole association that's looking after you, that's making sure you're paid correctly, that's looking after your vehicles. Then you've got the whole community as a whole and you've got all the fans that are supporting you and all the people surrounding that and then you've got the even bigger societal aspect outside of it and all the media that are like praising you for doing stuff and putting you out there for everyone to see and I think like you said it is tons of different layers of people supporting you so it's not just it might be an individual sport but it isn't just you absolutely and it's important to become a champion uh, that you you need to recognise that and understand decisions and, and I'm sure that he fired him in the heat of the moment and I don't know if he has any regret for that but that is not a time to to be making those sorts of decisions uh, a quote that many athletes say um, but is really important to remember in this situation we win and we lose together and that's 
that's really important. Like I said, at the end of the day, they're not doing it for themselves, they're doing it for you. I, I've spoken about this guy already um, in the podcast series, but Toto Wolf changed uh, the, the way that teams are run by adopting the philosophy of having thousands of team principles rather than him being the boss. And he would give people the the autonomy to do what they want and if it's not the right way then the the team learns see that that's very clever a lot of people should be doing that both in business and in sport i think that's very mature and very clever to let people play to their own strengths and help you help the athletes and help the association know your team know your employees know your company yeah it's it's very it's very much about being a people person when you're a leader and when you're a boxer you've got your team and you are most likely the leader of that team so it's important to recognize the position of power that you're in for so many people's livelihoods yeah the power the and livelihoods is spot on i mean a lot of fighters pay they're the ones paying their trainers, paying their team. You're giving your team their livelihood. So you are very responsible for everything. And you can't just think of yourself in the heat of the moment and those decisions. Because although Mark Brayland will be absolutely distraught that he's not part of the team and not part of the family, he considered Wilder family, it's also you've just took away his source of income. And I'm sure that's not why he was doing it, but you have just done that. And if someone was depending on that job to feed their family you've just put them in a very difficult situation and i know he couldn't have foreseen all the stuff that's happening at the moment with covid but if it fancy if he fancied getting another job now mark he fancied getting another job as a trainer or as a coach you've got a fat chance of it at the moment and that'll be a year maybe a couple of years without a salary without money and if people are dependent on that it's just Find them in at the deep end. Finally, Tom spoke to me about his other area of interest, business. I just want to go to kind of a, a broader scope, if you like. I know that, that you're really into your entrepreneurship and business as well as sport, Tom. And I wondered whether this kind of faith and courage side is something that, that you've carried into that part of your life and uh, whether, whether you've got any examples of lessons learned or or areas where you think actually yeah I'm, I'm glad that I'd done this within my sporting life because it's allowed me to have an advantage over here too. Well I think faith is the most important one for me personally and from what I see Courage, I think it takes a lot of courage to get out there and do any job, like whether you're running your own business, becoming a CEO of a business, becoming a general manager or becoming like a baseline employee. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there, have people judge you and then go through that process and work for that company or work for that person. So I think courage is very broad. I think for entrepreneurship faith has a lot more to do with it and a lot more saying like entrepreneurial activities and innovating because you've got to have a lot of trust in yourself and you can't have doubts like you look back to people like um, Dyson who, with the Dyson vacuum 
and he had something like a thousand, two thousand attempts at selling the vacuum to companies and getting it out in the market. And it's only one accepted and only one got him out to the market so you think you've got to have a lot of faith and a lot of trust in yourself that this isn't just some stupid idea this isn't just you going out on a whim this is actually revolutionary this will change someone's life and i think it was jeff bezos who said the reason his company the reason amazon is so successful is because he has a lot of trust in himself that he's focusing on the customer's wants and needs amazon isn't built on him making a quick book it's built on him bringing value to the customer and that's where he gets his faith in himself because he knows i value this my close friends value this i've then tested this with the loads of people they value this they they think this is worth the money they think this is going to improve their life and that's sort of what amazon's business is built that kind of reminds me of um an interview i saw with drake at the end of last year he's an incredible businessman as well as music artist and he was talking about how quite often he he feels self-conscious and insecure and whenever he's making a decision he will consult a close circle around him and and these are people that he trusts yeah having faith in a close group of friends yeah exactly you've got to have faith in the people around you and if they're ready to run with it, then he'll run with the decision and go full steam ahead, if you like. And Well, yeah, and it, it, as he's shown, it's given him a lot of success, and I reckon that is what has helped him out as an artist quite a bit. Because if you, if, if you surround yourself with people who don't have faith with you, I don't mean like they're yes men and they just say oh yeah you're doing well i mean you're at the low of your low and they're still supporting you they're still pushing you to put stuff out there even if it's getting critiqued even if it's getting pushed aside they're still backing you because they believe in you i think surrounding yourself with people like that really does give you an edge over everything because in a sense you can't fail because even if you're doing bad you've got people who are going to push you up back up and get you back up and push you on it's, it's that idea of what's the worst thing that could happen if I make this decision. My mum's still going to love me, my dad's still going to love me, and I'm still going to have my friends around me. And then you, you can you can go from there. That, that kind of foundation is something that not all of us have. But if you can have any of those three things, then that's a beautiful position to be starting. Even in everyday life, you want to quit your job start your little own side business earn some money or quit your job and go professional in a sport or quit your job and go and become an artist go to start writing music and putting music out there at the end of the day you ask yourself i'm at this management job at this hotel i quit i can go pursue my dream of putting music out there what's the worst that happens i end up back at this job it's it's i think and that's what a lot of people are starting to get nowadays that you can go for it because at the end of the day you limit you and if you overcome yourself and have faith in yourself and the people around you well exactly and the people around you i, I can't remember the quote exactly but it was the quote along the lines of you become who you surround yourself with yeah you're you're the average of the five people around you or your five closest associates or friends or whatever and i think that is absolutely nail on the head spot on 
you've got friends who are pushing the boundaries like you personally you inspire me quite a bit with like this podcast and everything you do outside of your uni work and if you surround yourself with friends like that who are really going for it and doing stuff that they don't have to do but they are doing it sort of pushes you on as well and sort of turns you into that person who wants to do it whereas if you're surrounding yourself with friends who don't support you and then don't support themselves and they, they don't want to go anywhere you might have a few friends who are like that who are still really good friends but you don't want everyone around you to be someone who's not gonna push you and someone who's not going to inspire you to do that bit better i know what you mean um about friends that aren't aren't, aren't quite pushing themselves to be the best versions of themselves and that that's where i'd like to think that we can trust each other as people uh that are i i would say you're one of my best friends we've got a small tight-knit group i would like to say that we can speak out when we think that someone can be better well i think the thing as well is when you've got friends that support you you could be you could be the one in the group that isn't pushing yourself and what they'll do is they'll support you anyway and they'll let you know. Because everyone's got their own timeline. You don't have to be a millionaire by 20. True. You don't have to be a millionaire by 30. Fact. You don't have to be a professional at sports. You don't have to own your own business. You can do what you want in life. You don't have a specific timeline. But if you've got people who support you, then you might have a local job at the pub or a local job at the restaurant or Tesco or whatever. And that might be enough for you at the moment and it doesn't mean you're wrong and it doesn't mean you're not pushing yourself that could be amazing for you that could be doing wonders for your life but if you've got friends who push you that bit further and then support you when you maybe don't feel like you're pushing yourself or don't feel you're getting the best out of what you're doing that that's what you really want that's a beautiful way to finish think about the people around you and they want you to succeed they want you to win and and that's how champions move they they've got a group of people around them that want them want them to succeed and that's how i feel when i'm around tom and others that are, are close to me and i've really enjoyed like speaking. how you've only named me sorry <laughs> i'm the main one you've only named me <laughs> Oh, I'll take that I, I don't want to start naming people because then i'll let i'll i'll miss <laughs> people out <laughs> if you're going to take anything from this podcast it's have faith in your friends surround yourself with friends who will push you. and yourself yeah and su- surround yourself with friends who will support you and then have faith in yourself support yourself and then give back you they support you you support them that's how it works and i think that'll help a lot of people out in situations that they're dealing with now future situations or even resolving situations from the past that they've been through so that's what I'll end it on. Thank you very much, Tom, for speaking to us. It's been a pleasure. No, it's been a pleasure, mate. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you for this. I'm incredibly fortunate to have people like Tom around me, but I'm sure you've got someone that inspires you too. Look at the people around you and think about who you want to learn from or push to be better. You can go further than you think. Thank you again to Tom, and thanks to you for listening at home or wherever you are. I hope that you are safe and have a great week. You've been listening to the 10 out of 10 podcast on ajontheline.com with your host, Adam Williams.